Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're at the ninth class of our wise restraint structured study leading up to our wise restraint uh, retreat. Um, <clears throat> this class is on the Salata Sutta. I think one of the more significant suttas in that this sutta teaches directly how we we are the cause of our own stress and suffering. Uh, the Buddha teaches that as a consequence of having a human life. Uh, there will be stress and suffering. The first noble truth is that there will be dukkha. Dukkha is, uh, as the Buddha teaches, is birth is stress, birth is dukkha, uh, sickness is dukkha, aging is dukkha, uh, dying is dukkha, not getting what is desired, getting what is undesired is dukkha. And we always conclude that uh, description by saying, in short, the five clinging aggregates are dukkha, or ongoing stress and disappointment in our lives. Uh, so the five clinging aggregates are form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness. Our thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. It's not some type of grand consciousness that if we could just understand it or become a part of this grand consciousness, everything would be resolved because that is the issue. The issue is recognizing that it is our thinking that causes us to create additional stress in our lives by taking the ordinary stressors of life the things that occur as a consequence of having a human life personally, and so uh, inflicting the second arrow as the sutta teaches. Excuse me. So this is, you could say that the reason why we practice the Dhamma is so that we don't do this. In the Salata Sutta, a question is put to the Buddha as to what is the distinguishing factor between a well-instructed and well-informed Dhamma practitioner and those that have no understanding of Four Noble Truths. The Buddha responds, Friends, an ordinary, uninformed person feels feelings of pleasure, feelings of pain, and neutral feelings, or um, boring feelings. You know, the human beings can't accept uh, the ambiguity of a moment, and, and we describe that as being bored. We need something to fill this moment. Uh, you know, food, alcohol, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it might be. One well-informed, the Buddha continues, one well-informed of the Four Noble Truths also feels feelings of pleasure, feelings of pain, and neutral feelings. So there's no difference. We're still living in the world and exposing ourselves to the stressors of the world, but we learn to deal with them differently. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is a distinguishing factor. <clears throat> An uninformed person experiences feelings of pain. When they do, they are sorrowful, they grieve, they become distraught and irate. The uninformed feels two pains, the pain of the experience and the pain caused by the reaction arising from clinging or taking what is occurring personally. This would be like the Buddha says, this would be like being hit with an arrow and then by request being hit again by the arrow. As the person is experiencing pain, resistance occurs, leading to resistance obsession. 
resistance occurs because I'm taking it personal rather than understanding that whatever this stressor is, is not me, it's not mine, it's not what I am. It's simply a consequence of living in this moment. And there's absolutely no reason, no matter what it is, uh, even if it's a safe falling on my head that I have to get out of the way of, I still don't take it personal because it's just a consequence of walking down the street at that particular time. The safe isn't gunning for me. And I'm not gunning for myself. I'm simply living my life. The Buddha continues, as the person experiences pleasure, delight in pleasure occurs, leading to pleasure obsession. I skipped out from under that safe. Aren't I wonderful? Aren't I quick? Doesn't God love me? That's pleasure obsession. Or, I got that one piece of chocolate cake and there's another one sitting there. I gotta have it because that first one was so good or that kiss was so good or that conversation was so good or that poem was so good or that Dhamma talk was so good or that meditation session was so good or that new car was so good, etc., etc., etc. Anytime we place a value judgment that personalizes anything, we're stuck in it. We have joined to it as the Buddha teaches further on. Reaction brings obsession as the uninformed does not discern what is actually present. And what is the most important thing that we can discern about what is actually present? I'm going to put Jen on the line here. Oh, (laughs) boy. What is it when things arise? What is the most important quality that every situation, every object, every cause for pleasure or pain or ambiguity, what is a defining common characteristic? Boy, are you on the line with this one. What's the defining characteristic of... What is what is a defining characteristic of everything in the universe? <laughs> that we that we don't want well, to acknowledge, that we impermanent. think we can overcome by our own eye making. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Jen was saying it over and over again as I kept speaking. She had a, a long time ago. Impermanence. Everything has that quality, right? The first mark of existence, Anicca. And everything has the quality, because I apply it to it, of anatta, the not-self characteristic. And I do it because of deluded thinking. Again, the three marks of existence. We're going to get into that right after our retreat. And so why would I take anything personal? Why would I make it mine if I know that it is impermanent? I know that it's fleeting. But I do it because I'm ignorant of it, of the Four Noble Truths. The uninformed does not discern what is actually present. The origination, the allure, the drawback, or the passing away of the feeling, or the thought attached to the feeling, because that's all that it is that we're dealing with. We're not really dealing with a chalk piece of chocolate cake, are we? Or the safe. We're dealing with my thoughts about the chocolate cake and my feelings about the chocolate cake or the safe. So one, the safe, mindfulness, reminds me to move out of the way. But if I'm dull and ignorant of what's occurring, I might just stand there and marvel at the safe coming at me. I might also do the same thing, not recognizing the danger in the second piece of chocolate cake. And the danger isn't inherent in the chocolate cake, is it? The danger is in me thinking that two or three or four or ten pieces are what I need in this moment to be happy, to be secure. This is because the chocolate cake has impacted my sixth sense base. In this case... My eye 
my eye consciousness, my nose consciousness, my taste consciousness, and maybe my, even my ear consciousness because someone said there's another piece of chocolate cake. All gets me involved and distracted from this moment because I'm taking it personal. No matter what it is, it distracts me from living this present moment. And it opens me up to feelings of, of pain, feelings of pleasure, or even the feeling of boredom. Eh, I don't care about chocolate cake or safes or anything else in this world. What is there for me in this world? Well, what is the answer to that is it's for me to find out, isn't it? My words. The first arrow is simply the stress and unhappiness that occurs in the phenomenal world. The second arrow is the stress and unhappiness caused by ignorance giving rise to clinging, craving, desire, and aversion. The three defilements. And, okay. In other words, wanting the people and experiences of life to be different than what occurs compounds the initial pain of the experience. So again, what, we're, what are we talking about? It's what Siddhartha Gautama exampled for the last 45 years of his life. Radical acceptance. We learn the difference, the significant difference between approval and acceptance. And what does that mean? It means that in this moment, I don't need to approve of anything. Because this moment doesn't need my approval. How do I know that? Because it's occurring. I didn't give life the opportunity to unfold or human life or the universe. It's not up to me. I don't need to grant this moment permission and I don't need to grant this moment approval. What I do need if I'm going to remain conflict-free in this moment is to radically accept what's occurring. Why? Because it's, accept because it's what's occurring. It's a, an aspect of mental illness to not accept what's occurring. And understanding the difference between acceptance and approval, I can guide my way gracefully through my life without sticking to things by the need to approve or disapprove of them. Is that clear to everyone? I'm lying too. If it's not, just, just open your mic and say it's not. Well, we're all done and we're awakened because that's the whole point of all this. Uh, and again, it, not to be too simplistic, but that really is. In this moment, am I free of eye-making? Am I free of sticking the second arrow in? We'll find out. The Buddha continues, sensing pleasure or pain, the uninformed joins with it. We become one with our pain. And how, how many times have we describe our life to someone else by the quality of our pain in that moment or the pain of that day, the quality of the disappointments in that day. I had a lousy day. I fought with my boss and I fought with my spouse and I stubbed my toe. Or we can recognize that that was just 1% of our day, get over the, the taking these things personal because they happen every day and just stay present and say, my, my, my day was perfect because my mind is free of conflict which is what we're going for, isn't it? And it's what each and every one of us as human beings have the right and the ability to achieve. And I would say, uh, more than the right, we should be doing this because this is what the most important thing a human being can do is to awaken, to develop full human maturity. Now the Buddha teaches how a person well-informed of, of the Four Noble Truths and understanding stress and unhappiness responds to the unfolding of dukkha, which means the unfolding of each and every moment of our life. The Buddha says, teaches, the well-informed person 
when stress arises, has no resistance. Imagine that. Imagine to have stress arise, and stress, stress arising could be a piece of chocolate cake or a safe wallet or an argument or anything else that arises. But imagine to not join with it and to simply have the deep concentration, the deep jhana and the refined mindfulness to be present in this moment without the need to look at it in any way. It's just what's occurring. And if it's a safe falling, we take two steps to the right. If it's a whole piece of chocolate cake, we have one and move on. If it's another, if it's an unpleasant person who's in our face, we understand it and we smile or we grimace and we move on. The well-informed person, when stress arises, has no resistance. Imagine that in this moment, no resistance to what's occurring. With no resistance, no resistance obsession occurs or is formed. So this is how we end and interrupt conditioned thinking. Because in this moment, if I'm not resisting it, if I'm not caught up in the obsession of resistance, then the next moment will not be fed by that resistance. It will be another moment free of resistance, free of conflict. With no delight in sensual pleasure, no sensual, no pleasure obsession occurs. Notice the Buddha doesn't say that we don't enjoy the moment. We just, just don't become obsessed with more of that moment. No pleasure obsession occurs. We are liberated. Liberated from what? Liberated from our own ignorant thinking. The well-informed person discerns what is actually present and understands its origination, its allure, its drawbacks, and its passing away. What are we really understanding about that chocolate cake? Not the chocolate cake. My thoughts about the chocolate cake. My, my, my thoughts about pain and pleasure and, and ambiguity obsession. Because now I'm starting to understand my own thinking and the quality of my own thoughts. And because I'm well concentrated, I can now say, no, these thoughts do not constitute what I am. And I can simply abandon those thoughts. The well-informed person discerns what is actually present and understands its origination, its allure, its drawback, and its passing away. They remain disjoined from pleasure and pain. This is a distinction between the uninformed and the well-informed, and well-informed of four noble truths. Simply, we don't get entangled and caught up in the world. So my words, the four noble truths bring an understanding of life, as it is, and the cause of further, furthering stress, unhappiness, and confusion. The Buddha's direct teachings are not salvific, offering the promise of a better life as a reward for proper behavior. It simply teaches us proper behavior will bring the reward of a conflict-free mind. The Buddha's direct teachings develop the experience of, having, of lasting peace and happiness in this human life. This understanding is the key difference between what the Buddha taught and the beliefs of his time arising from the Vedas and the Upanishads. Um, I'm going to stop there. I think. Yeah, I don't, we don't need to get into the rest of it because you all read it. That's the end of the sutta, and it's just a simple and direct teaching telling us to stop it. To stop treating ourselves in such a poor way that we, we react to what's going on in this moment. Again, I would say as little children, I don't want what's occurring. An adult accept what's occurring without the need to approve it one way or the other. There's no want and there's no uh, dislike. It's just what's occurring. 
<clears throat> and so when I need to take two steps to the right because a safe is coming at me or a train's coming at me, I'm not disappointed by having to put in the effort to make that, partic- that part of my day conflict-free. And so I take encouragement that I have a mind that has a quality that can decide these things that lead to a liberated life. And I'm using somewhat silly examples because, again, it's not the safe. It's my thoughts about the safe. It's my thoughts about you. It's my thoughts about myself in relation to the world and what's occurring in the world. And if I cannot take those thoughts personally, my thoughts attached to what's occurring, the objects and events of my life, then I'm not sticking the second arrow in. Then I'm maintaining a conflict-free quality of mind through wise restraint, through having my sense gates, gates well guarded by concentration and refined mindfulness. So, Brian, what do you think of all this? Um, I think it sounds like Mara. Yeah, yes. Is that, is that another way to put that where you're... Exactly. This, this development of wise restraint helps you realize the dream world versus the real world and stay planted in the real world. Yep, that's exactly so it. Instead of, instead of vacillating about the chocolate cake, you just yep. move on. Yeah, and so listen to what Brian just said in relation to that. If I'm if I'm sitting here vacillating about chocolate cake, what am I doing? I'm living in a dream world, aren't I? I'm, I'm creating a whole scenario about me in relation to something that is entirely impermanent. It's foolish to do it, isn't it? But we recognize how foolish it is, and we simply interrupt that process, as Brian just described. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, I guess the, the, I mean, it all makes sense, right? You can listen to it and you can understand it. And then the challenge is, is as you're challenging the things in your life that became norms, whether it's your work life or family or other things that became normal ways to react or respond or like in work to compete or um, all those other things. So I find that it's recognizing when those things are arising and the confidence of knowing that they will pass away, that what you're feeling might be a feeling. This is something that just happened to me this week. The feeling that arose because I grew up in a certain, or I believe I grew up in this certain kind of business environment or whatever, but knowing, knowing that I, I, not that I need to sit with it, but I just need to give it time to pass away. And the more I, and so I recognize these things in the moment now very quickly. And I just have to be patient and know that this, you know, I'm going to sleep on it and I'll be gone by tomorrow morning. And so I do witness that. I observe that all the time. And then I know that now there are certain reactions that aren't even occurring that I don't even notice because I'm so aware that this is, you know, that this could happen and it will go away. So there's nothing to cling to anymore yeah. because you're like, even if you want to be like, oh, you know, really mad about something, you're like, yeah, but this is going away. So what's the point of being really mad about it? Or what's the the point of holding my ground when I know this is just going away? And so more and more, it just becomes quite natural that, and that rising and passing is just like breathing. I guess that's the point, right? What is it called when you, there's probably a word for it when you're 
body just does certain things, right? Breathing is one of them. Yeah. And so I guess the goal of all of this is for um, the training and the understanding to be like breathing. Yeah, right? what a great way to put it. Yeah. Maybe I just got something there. Yeah. Poof. It is. And the, the what we do on our cushions, mindfulness of the breath, John and meditation, is interrupting that internal process on our cushion. And and yes. so we can do it off our cushion. When we're caught up in the world, we just we remind ourselves to take a breath. We're reminding ourselves of the arising and the passing away of what's occurring outside by being mindful of what occurs inside. Because this is the our breath is the metaphor for our life, isn't it? The arising yes. and the falling. And it's also the direct experience of that arising and passing away. I always think of Lorna when I when we talk about this because she was so good at, at reflecting it on that way that you know you, you see the arising of phenomena and the passing away of phenomena in that breath. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, all. Hi, Debbie. I'm glad you joined us. Me too. Good to see you. So what did you think of today's sutta? I don't know if I have anything um, significant to contribute. I, you know, I feel like I'm very early in my studies and I'm just appreciative at this point for the Sangha and your teaching. Glad, really glad to have come across the website and your books and the group. Yeah. Well, Debbie, we're... We're welcome to our song. I know you've been here a few times, and uh, we're so glad to have you. Uh, and all, you, you don't ever have to say anything here, so don't ever feel pressure or anything like that. I'm just glad you you, you uh, talked about what you found here today. And the Dhamma is just, just like that as you're developing it. It's just you know being very gentle with yourself, taking your time, and just doing the practice, which you, you certainly are doing. So, uh, And I know I've said it, you know, before, but if you have, ever have any questions or you just want to touch base with me, just let me know and we'll set up a session. So, thank you, Debbie. Good thank morning. you. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Um, I, uh, always love hearing this sutta and I, uh, I actually use it with a lot of the patients in our mental health center because wow. I see so often people come in with they're depressed because so and so treated them like this. Or they relapsed and they did drugs because they couldn't get back together with an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, this person treated me like that. So I had to do drugs, yep. you know, and, I, and it's such a useful sutta because it's so um, simple, you know, just the metaphor of the two arrows. It just resonates with people immediately. So I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Anthony. Kevin. Thank you. Morning. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, it's a, such a great tuta. I, I, I love hearing it each time. It's so hard to maintain it constantly or intermittently. And, and uh, I hear that echoed in what other people are saying. Um, it's much easier on our cushion, but then as soon as you're, you know, even doing something pleasurable like gardening and things are tough or not going right or you're imagining how great it's going to be which is what i've been kind of obsessed with recent this week um it just sort of you get taken away by it and such a realize that you know we're here we're 
doing some gardening and this is impermanent. Yeah. So, yeah well, thank you. Safe. Thank you, Kevin. Deb, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, uh, the songbirds are lovely today. Yeah. They're really filling my room. Yeah. Yeah, here too. I, that's why I woke up at 4.30 just listening to that. How, just beautiful. What a yeah. wonderful life. Um, the, uh, what, I'm, what I'm thinking about at the moment is the, uh, the five clinging aggregates. And because um, I just had the thought that it seems that consciousness is at the roots of of um, everything that's going on. Like um, I don't know how to put this. Uh, it just seems to be like the key, the the the, the, the key leading factor in in, yeah. in in this process. Yeah. What I hold in yeah. my, <coughs> excuse me. What I hold in mind will determine my experience of this moment. Meaning, what I'm using right. to frame it. If it's framed by the eightfold path, this moment will be experienced free of conflict. Right. You got it, Dev. I'm so, I interrupted you. Though. I didn't, please finish. No, no. Yeah, that that, that was. Uh, that's the only thought I have to share at the moment. <laughs> well, it was a good thought. I'm glad you joined us this morning. Me too. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like everybody else has said, I really, I really like this suit. I like hearing it again. And um, you kind of realize as you listen to it that, that you have come a ways in, like Mary said, in your ability at the point of contact to to realize that when you get that, that uh, over something that's, it, no matter what it's over, minor or not minor, you can just go like, oh, I don't have to feel like this. Yeah. <laughs> I can change my mind. I can, I can, this is not me. Yeah. And and that's happened to me a couple of times this week. And it's so freeing when that happens because if it's not there, you just go into this bad place. Yeah. And when it is there, you just you just do this, boom. Oh. And you're calm again, yeah. and everything is fine. You can go on with. And you have control the next of your moment. own mind. Right. <laughs> um, it's hard to maintain it. It takes work. <coughs> one has to be on one's cushion daily, and that's been slipping for me. And I'm bringing it back now. My my efforts getting better and better. So, I think that's why I'm realizing that. Um, there's really something there. This is this really works, and you yeah. just have to keep your your right effort has yeah. to be paramount sometimes. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's outstanding, Becky. Thank you. Right effort is paramount. <clears throat> Dhamma teacher Rob. Hey, John. 
<clears throat> yeah, this is, looking at this, and you realize that this is like a groundbreaking analysis of the human mind. It that is. came up with. Mm -hmm. yeah. It just completely revolutionary. Like that, that's, you know, his, um, you know, kicking the wheel of the Dharma in motion. Uh, this, this is what he did. He just, with his own mind, which wasn't, you know, any much better than ours. Human mind. He just saw it, that this is how the human mind works. Yeah. And this is how we contribute to our own suffering. Because he saw it in himself. He saw it in himself, yeah. and he had the concentration, finally, to do that. Yeah. Um, it's just a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a staggering moment in history. I agree. I, yeah. I, I think that uh, this one sutta describes the cause of all human ills, mm -hmm. and it, it because it mm -hmm. because that sounds so simplistic, most people would just disregard it. That it has to be all these these complicated issues that we have as human mm -hmm. beings can't be explained in a couple of paragraphs, but they they are. You know, one of the problems I think we have as human beings in resolving these is we think we're so damn complicated when we're not. <laughs> but really, yeah. well, you know, because it, there, there's I'm complicated. Yeah, there, there are these, these convoluted conflicts going on, and you're trying to to find the background of that. Well, do we, we have a new word for it, don't we? Intersectionality. We have, um, I can't think of the right word now. We have normalized um, confusion and complication uh -huh. by calling it intersectionality as if that's a good thing. Right. And it's, clinging is never a good thing. It's, there's times when there's a value, a value in our society to see where things are impacting other things. <clears throat> But it doesn't teach us anything as to the cause of, you know, why they're why they're, why that's happening, mm -hmm. and so things are things are crashing out in the world because they're crashing inside my head, mm -hmm. and so let me let me address that first, and that's yeah. what the sutta says. Stop it. Yeah. It's just that, and, and it's and it's the nice thing is it's applicable. You know, anybody every can do second it. Second of the day. Yeah. I, I this last week I had to uh, I had to buy a car for my daughter. And, you know, it couldn't be a new one, so it had to be a used one. And I was going crazy on it because I just, I realized I just freaking hate doing this. Because <laughs> and, you know, once, I get, once I got past the fact that I was just completely upset, I realized, okay, this is the situation. I have to do this. You know, this is, she needs a car and I can't afford a new one, so I have to do this used car thing but once I realized that I didn't have to be mad about it <laughs> yeah. that it I could just find yes. a solution for it yeah. that's, that's it. all that's I it. needed to do and once I got the madness you know once I realized that the, the anger that came up and the frustration and all that that, that was just anger and frustration yeah. and let that go and a solution presented itself and for the rest of the whole process I was just moseying along 
and free you know, of conflict. Yeah, free of conflict. Yeah. Sign, you know, close my eyes, sign the check, and <laughs> you know, and and got the process going. Yeah. And it was like, huh, yeah, and the the whole thing changed from uh, a, an experience that. And I, I realized how I my my joining with it had had contributed to all that that stress mm -hmm. that I've done in the past. You know? Yeah, you directly uh, joined with a, with an aspect of your own conditioned thinking, and right. there it was. And the conditioned thinking was: I should be doing this. Yep. This is my job as the father to 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 you know take care of the old jalopy and keep it going, and I'm saving money yep. and blah, 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 and all these fabrications come up, and I just said, okay, I don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just check. this. It's just this thing. I you know, check and let it go. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, applicable here and now. Is it again? It's worth it, like Becky. It's worth the price of admission, isn't it? Absolutely. For nothing, nothing special except that moment. Even in, that, in an ordinary human moment. life, that, mm -hmm. yeah, you just you're free of the conflict of having to buy a car for your daughter. That's that is one of the the big stressors of human life is buying cars, yeah. and you figured out a way. Siddhartha figured out a way and taught and us. When, and when to you're not. conflict free, you're actually able to. See the situation to to appreciate yeah. the solution that's being presented to you, yeah. because I I could have just said nah, I don't want it, I don't want it, you know and and not seen that oh what's being what's available here is actually perfect for the situation and the financial situation works out just fine I could do it yeah and everybody's. Everybody is peaceful during the, the the salesman is okay. Yeah. Your daughter is. My daughter you is are. Yeah. You know. And, and everybody has the potential to to be you know completely off the wall. Yeah. But uh, if I walk in there uh, conflict free, that at that point nobody's getting triggered or set off or yeah. anything. Because there's nothing. There's no conflict. You're not bringing the conflict in. Yeah. You know. <coughs> Thank you, Ron. What a great example. Yeah. Dollar teacher Jen. Be Becky, did you have something? No. Yeah, I was just going to do another example, but that's okay. Go ahead. You have good examples. Though. <laughs> Go ahead. Jen. Can you teacher Jen. Pull that that way. So thank you. Um, so you can see my head. Um, yeah, so I, I'm starting to see how. Starting, believe it or not, I don't know. What are we? Seven years in now. Um, yeah, I can't believe that. Angst, worry, suffering is caused by reacting to feelings. So, and that sort of flips everything on its head because mm -hmm. it's not anger that is causing me suffering. It's my reaction to the anger. It's not, you know, the, the buying of the, having to buy a car that I'm, that's causing me suffering. It's my reaction to having to buy the car. Yeah. And... 
yeah, that requires some concentration to to see and to let go of. That's all I got. For Good. Today. Thank you, Dharma Teacher Jen. Dharma Teacher David. Thank you. Thank you, David. So. So let's be mindful of when we stick the other arrow in and let's not do it anymore because that is pure Dhamma practice. Um, and in the moment, it frees us from anything that might be distracting us from what's here and being or being preoccupied with uh, continuing our own ignorance, which we do in very hurtful ways. But we'll finish with Dhamma, uh, with uh, uh, Metta as we always do. Oh, um, our retreat begins in... Two weeks from this Thursday, there's still a couple of beds left. If you, if you haven't signed up and you want to join us, please do so. There's nothing like it. And Ron, before I forget, I just want to say, it has nothing to do with what we're doing at all. Uh, the scooter is 24 inches wide. Okay. Wheel to wheel. <laughs> I thought the retreat started on Wednesday. It does. What oh, did okay. I say? You say Thursday. Thursday. Oh, yeah. No, it starts Wednesday the 29th. 28. Wait. No, 29th. Is it? Sorry. You're teaching on the 28th. Okay. Jen's teaching on the 28th. <laughs> so you're teaching before retreat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's Tuesday, Tuesday before. Tuesday. The most important yeah. class ever, ever. Is, a, is, a, wow. is a class it's before retreat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll, <laughs> we'll finish with Meta as we always do. <clears throat> this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. Excuse me. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision and being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.